There's an uneasiness growing within today's parents. Questions arise around what our kids are being taught, exposed to, and influenced by. Thankfully, a fully engaged, well-informed parent is a powerful thing. And that's why I support Answers in Genesis, and I would recommend you do as well, because it's important to remember that the battle for our kids' minds isn't one in the courts or the classrooms. It's one from the safety and comfort of our own home. So be the difference our kids need and visit www.answers.gift today. Thank you for joining us. You are listening to a ministry of Crossview Church with Pastor Kevin Hartcastle. All right, we are continuing on a series that's called When Pigs Fly. Well, we're looking at these amazing miracles that Jesus did and how they made an impact in the people and the characters that were around him at the time. What was the life change that took place for each and every single one of them? And so we've been discovering not just the miracles, but the characters and what it spoke to each one of them about during that time. And so our first week, we looked at Jesus calming the storm and that he had his disciples and they believed in him and they trusted him. Uh, yet when a storm came up that was about to capsize them and throw their boat over, they were terrified and fearful for their life. And yet all the while, Jesus, where did he sleep? He slept on the bow of the boat. He was just calm going through it, uh, not, not worried about what was going on around him because he knew what the one who was in control of the storm was going and in, in what he was doing. And so I, I encourage you that first week that you're in the storms of life, you're in the tragic places of life at times, because God has got something he's going to do for you through those times. You're there with his presence and you're there with his purpose. So don't lose heart. He is always with you. And then our second week, we looked at Jesus casting out this evil spirit that was in this boy and tormented him for many years and how Jesus did a miracle by casting the, the, the evil spirit out. But the father is what we looked at. We looked at the father that day and we, we discovered that so many times our faith is questioned. Our faith is teetering at times. Um, we look at other people and we say, wow, I wish I had their faith. I wish I had their kind of faith. But yet we look at our faith and we say, man, it's pretty weak and it's kind of small. But we must understand that our faith must always be centered around God and that as we trust him, he'll bring us through those very challenging times in life. Uh, the third week we looked at our poolside miracle where the man who was uh, an invalid for 38 years could not walk and he kept waiting every day to get into the pool whenever it stirred to find healing, but he, he never could make it there. And uh, we learned that apathy is the greatest obstacle to the miracles that God wants to do in your life, an apathetic mentality. Uh, it just never happens for me. It happens for them all the time. They're always seeing good things. Man, it just seems like, seems like they just, everything good happens in their life. It'll never happen for me. Apathy is a hindrance or an obstacle to the miracle that God wants to do in all of our lives. And so that week we learned that if we just trust him and if we just uh, have a, a faith that, that says God is bigger than any obstacle, God is bigger, and then we obey him, we then will see the miracle take place. Last week was the story about Lazarus, and Lazarus was, uh, was of course, uh, a good friend of Jesus, uh, him and his sisters, uh, and yet Jesus allowed time to go by, and Lazarus, according to us, died. But what did Jesus say? He is not dead. He is just asleep. 
Now, we don't know why or what state he was in, but we do know when Jesus arrived on the scene, he was in a tomb, and he was there for four days. Now, we don't know how or why or how God did it, but we know that God, there's, a, there's two kinds of dead. There's our dead and there's God dead, and God dead oversees and precedes uh, our kind of dead. So God, Jesus said, he's not dead, he's just asleep, and he brought Lazarus back to life. And we learned three things last week. We learned that God's delays are never God's denials. Just because maybe God doesn't say right now doesn't mean he'll say not ever. We don't know what the future holds, but we know that the one that holds the future. So today we're going to look at one of the miracles that, be honest with you, is one of the miracles that we oftentimes overlook. Um, And yet it was the miracle that actually began Jesus' public ministry. It was the first miracle, the first public miracle um, that Jesus actually performed. So we're going to look at the first miracle that Jesus performed. Now, we don't know like the history of the backstory. We don't know if Jesus, you know, I, I, I would love to have been in the house of Jesus um, and just to see what he did just to drive his mom crazy. You know, I mean, just things that he could do, you know, like eat all of your peas off of the plate and he would just bink and they'd be, they'd disappear, you know, he could do that kind of stuff. Um, you know, he, he, I'm sure that, uh, this was his first public miracle, but, uh, we obviously know that there was a prep time, that there was a lead in time to lead up to this. And so we don't know the backstory, but what we see here in John chapter two is we see the story, the public story and the dynamics that go on this story are really amazing. Now we read it and we read it, we know what happens. And so we're just kind of like, well, yeah, okay, he did it. Okay, no big deal. We have to remember it was a big deal in the time and the moment in which it took place. So if you would open your Bibles to John chapter 2, and uh, we're going to read uh, the story uh, and the, as it unfolds about how Jesus did a miracle by turning the water into wine. Okay? All right, so let's start off reading today. It says, On the third day the wedding took place in Cana uh, in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples uh, had also been invited to the wedding it says on the third day when the when the water was gone when the wine was gone Jesus mother said to him they have no more wine so Jesus he says woman I bet he got slapped for that one right there I don't know I mean I don't know uh, why do you involve me she said Jesus replied he said my hour has not yet come his mother said to the servants <laughs> she just ignored him completely she was like do whatever he tells you to do Can you just see how this goes down? He's he's like, hey, they're out of wine. He's like, woman, it's not my time yet. And she's just like, hey, do whatever he says to tell you to do. Just just go ahead and get in place. I mean, she just kind of over. And then and so it goes on to say in verse six, it says, uh, do we have verse six? Nope. Okay. well, then I'll read it from my translation then. Uh, then it goes on to say that the servants, they, uh, they did, they went and they got the jars and the water pots and they, they put it all together and they did this amazing miracle of turning water into wine. So we see here this amazing story about how Jesus is just in a casual way, um, and, and involved in a social environment. Here he is at, socially at a wedding. Weddings are big deals. And all the girls in the house say, that's right. Right, girls? I mean, from the time girls are like five or so, they're dreaming about their wedding day. They're, they're, ta- they're thinking about their wedding day. 
Uh, they're, they're picking out their veils. They're, they're, they're watching the, the romance on Hallmark Channel and all the wonderful weddings that take place there that are in fairyland. They're watching all them. And they're thinking, that's how my life is going to be. A knight in shining armor is going to come. He's going to rescue me. And so this is an amazing celebration day where uh, they're coming together to celebrate the joining of these two lives. We don't know who they are. We don't know who the characters are. We don't know what the wedding is. We know where it's at. But we don't know who's involved. But we know this, the characters. Here's the characters. It was mom, Jesus' mom. It was Jesus. And Jesus brought, brought with him five of his new friends known as his disciples. So they're thinking we're going to go to a party. We're going to go to a wedding and we're just going to enjoy life. Jesus is just, he hasn't even begun his public ministry. He hasn't even begun to do things or teach or speak publicly. And yet here they are attending this wedding and this celebration. He brings five of his buddies with him and, uh, and they're sitting down. They're like, all right, we're here to have a good time. Let's enjoy it. Let's have a good time, boys. And mom comes over and says, hey, son, we got a problem. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd probably be a little bit like Jesus. I'd be like, it's not my problem. It ain't my wedding. I had nothing to do with the ordering of the supplies. Why do I have to do anything about it? But his first miracle silently goes down. Now, it doesn't say that there anything really celebratory happened. It doesn't say that he got any props for this particular miracle. In fact, uh, scripture goes on to say he turned the water into wine. And all of a sudden you fast forward in the story. The, the, the other people at the party go to the host, to the people who put the party on. Wow, you brought out the good one. You saved the best for last. This is what they said. Because the wine they were drinking at the end was far better than what they started off with. Because in those times, what they would do is they would put out, sorry, they would put out the really good stuff at first. And then when you're just feeling a little bit good, they put you the crap out there, right? The nasty tasting stuff. Why? They just wanted to keep it flowing. But it says that they brought the best out at the end. There was no fanfare. There was no dramatic applause. Jesus got zero credit for this first miracle except what we read in the Bible. And nowhere does it say they went up to Jesus and said, thank you for saving our marriage and saving our wedding reception. Nowhere do they give them credit for what was done. It was a very interesting first miracle. And so I want to talk to you today about these expectations that we have in life. I want to look at uh, the people that came to the party. They expected to celebrate with a new couple, uh, the new life they had. Jesus' mother, she had expectations. And that was, they're out. It's time for you to step up and help and fulfill what you've been given to do. Then you got Jesus himself. He, He didn't have expectations about that. But he did have expectations because if you read in John chapter 1, the first chapter, it's whenever he's baptized and the whole dove thing happens and the voice says, "Is my son, who I'm well pleased. He's starting to come into his own. Uh, he called five of his disciples. He brought them to the party. Jesus was feeling like something was happening. God was going to do something. But I don't think that Jesus necessarily thought it would unfold the way it did with water into wine. I'm sure that Mary might have thought about Jesus. Here's Jesus. If you don't know what age he is, he's about 30 right now. Still living at home. Now he just brought five more guys into the house. Mary's like, it's time for you to get on and get on with the life. It's time to move on out, buddy. Time for the miracle to take place. You know, you just brought five more mouths in here to feed. Let's get some things going. 
I think that today what I want to talk to you about is what do we do whenever expectations are unmet? Holidays are right around the corner, and uh, you'll have different plans that are going on. I'm sure you're already starting to plan what's going on for Thanksgiving and what's going on for the Christmas holiday. And I'm sure your kids are already uh, starting to get excited and tell you what they want. And they're making their list out, and, and they're putting down everything they, they hope and pray they get. Uh, they're always looking. In fact, this past week, if you guys, if you guys know in the mail, we got the big, thick, like they used to do with Sears, but it was Amazon. Did you get the Amazon toy? It was all toys. I mean, that's all it was in there. I'm thinking, how ingenious was that, man? And it doesn't have any prices in it whatsoever. So they're getting you, man. They're getting you. Um, and your kid's going through, and he's circling, or she's circling, or putting tabs by everything they want to have. Uh, it's great for parents to be, able to, to be able to figure out what it is. But let's just face it, they're going to be disappointed, right? They're not going to get everything they asked for, right? And all of us have unmet expectations this year. Some kids won't get what they maybe necessarily expect. Uh, some teenagers won't get that high fancy, uh, high end game that they're so hoped for, that toy or that gadget they'd have thought they were supposed to get. That wife, even though she's hinted all year long what she wanted, and even though she's been direct with you gentlemen, and she has even maybe dropped little uh, hints here and there. You are oblivious and you will fail and she will find herself with unmet expectations. It will happen. Men, you're thinking you're going to be like a Clark Griswold kind of Christmas and you're going to get all of your kids and your family everything they want. And all of a sudden that bonus won't come through like maybe you thought it would. Some of you, your families are severed and maybe uh, discombobulated and broken up this year. And you're hoping that your family will come together and have a Christmas together and be a, a Christmas miracle. Maybe if you're single here today, your expectations is you, you were hoping that maybe you get that ring. Or maybe someone would ask you to marry them. Or maybe just someone even tell you that they love you. And so your unmet expectations is you're looking for someone in your life. Some of you here today, you've been hoping for a child for many years, and you've been expecting, and maybe even this holiday season, that still hasn't come to pass. Jesus shows us through this particular story today, how do we deal with unmet expectations? How do we cope with unmet expectations? My key thought is this. Here's the key thought. If you have your notes, write these down. Recognize that things will, may get worse before God makes them better. This is not really a fun point to preach about, but re recognize, there's your child right here if anybody wants one. <laughs> Carla's ready to hand them off. Uh, what was I saying? Okay. Realize that things just might get worse before God makes them better. Say that with me. Realize that things might get worse before God makes them better. Sometimes in life, things got to get a little bit worse so that God can do the miracle that needs to happen. It's happened throughout the Bible. Let me just tell you some stories of some people. Joseph. Joseph uh, had a dream he was going to rule and reign. But in his life, he was sold into slavery. He was thrown into prison. And he went through a horrible stages of life. It got worse. But one day, he wound up in the palace. But before he got to the palace, it got way, way worse. 
King David one day was in his field minding his own business and a prophet came and said, you're going to be the king of Israel. He thought, great, I'm going to be king. Yes, let's go. And all of a sudden he finds himself one day serving under King Saul. And King Saul was this man that was tormented with all kinds of, of, of mental things that he anguished that he went through. And David would play his harp and he would soothe him down. And then when he was done, King Saul would take a spear and throw it at King David. It got worse before it got better. Sometimes in life, that's what happens. Peter says one day to Jesus, I'll never deny you. You are my only one. You are the rock. I will not deny you. I will not turn away. And yet we see three times he denies who Jesus is. And yet it got worse because he ran from God and he thought he was unworthy. And before he could stand up and preach on the day of Pentecost, things got worse before they got better. Jesus went through the brutality of the cross. He endured the scourge and the shame and the punishment that sin is in our lives. And he went all the way to death and to being buried for three days. Things got worse before we know they got better. This world is getting worse because one day he will come again and one day he will return and one day he will take us to be home with him. And if we don't see that happen, we in life, We'll have to go through the worse before we get to see the other side of the better. Relationships over and over again. Think about relationships. Relationships get hurt and relationships get wounded and people get hurt and people get uh, scarred and they get, they get uh, traumatized and things get worse. But hopefully and prayerfully things will get better. Peter said it this way. Peter chapter 5 verse 10. He says, while you've suffered a little while. After you suffered a little while, God will restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. No bonus? Hold on. Spouse looked at you and told you you were not good enough? Hold on. Kids get ugly and they say hurtful things to parents and they say things like, I hate you, and they, they, they slam their door. They, they get angry with you. Hold on. Suffered a little while. Remain strong in God. The doctor's call comes in. He says, you have six months to live. Things get worse before God can make them better. But I'm going to encourage you, hold on. Verse 3, the wine is gone. In verse 10, the new wine has come. Just a matter of a little bit of time. And the miracle that takes place is the same miracle God wants to do in your life. You can find hope in Christ today. You can find hope today in what he wants to do in your life. How do we live through unmet expectations? Two thoughts I want to give to you are these. Number one, first one is very important. Look for Jesus in every situation. Look, for, look to Jesus for your solution. Look to Jesus for your solution. See, we don't do this. This is not our go-to. Jesus is not often our go-to person. We go to lots of different things. We go to friends. We go to family. We try to fix our finances. Here's how we try to fix our finances. We're in debt. So we think, you know what? I'm in debt. Here's what I'll do. I'll hit the casinos or I'll get a, I'll get a lottery ticket. And, man, I'll hit it big and I'll get out of debt. Why? Because we want the quick fix. We don't want the God fix. We want the quick fix. 
And so we try to figure out how we can work the angle and how we can make it happen. Or we say we want to get out of debt or we want to get, we want to get what we want. We want it. We want it now. So we charge and we charge and we charge and we find ourselves in January after Christmas in debt after eyeballs trying to figure out how we're going to pay it off. Students want these amazing grades or maybe they feel pressure for college or pressure for um, a certain class that they have to get an A in for whatever reason. And so what do they do? They take the shortcut and they don't turn to Christ as a solution. They turn to cheating. They turn to trying to get the grades slipped to them. They try to figure out how to work around the system. Your marriage is bad. Your relationship is broken down between you and your spouse. And so, so many times what happens is people turn to pornography People turn to uh, other people. People try to find comfort in other things. And all of a sudden, they find themselves at a worse place than they ever started. Because why? They're not turning to Jesus as the solution. Your job is bad. Your job is not going well. So you say, you know what? I'm just going to look around a little bit. I'm just going to see what's out there. There's nothing bad with that. Until the company that you're looking at calls your current boss. And all of a sudden, you find yourself unemployed. Sometimes things get worse. So turn to Jesus first. Unhappy, stressed out, unhappy, can't handle the pressures of life. So many people turn to alcohol, turn to drugs, turn to an escape, turn to uh, uh, so many different addictions, so many different vices that people turn to in order to escape the stress and the pain of life. Why? Because we don't turn to our source in Jesus Christ. Verse 10 says it this way. It says, everyone brings out, uh, this is what I was telling you about, the, the people said, everyone brings out the choice wine first. Then the cheaper wine they give to the guests when they've had too much to drink. It says, but you, you save the best for what? Now, or the best for last. You didn't bring out the good stuff. You waited to bring out the best stuff at the end. Why? Because I'm here to tell you, when we turn to Jesus for our solution, the best is yet to come. His, his outcome is far better than you're trying to solve it and figure it out yourself. Some of you here today have an amazing, you have something really incredible you're facing. I don't, I don't know specifically what it is, but some of you are facing an obstacle that's absolutely monumental. A decision's got to be made. A step has to be made and, and stepped out. You, maybe it's something that uh, you feel in pressure from other people to make a decision about. Whatever it is, I'm here to tell you, turn to Jesus as your solution and say, Jesus, I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know how it's going to work out, but I need you to please calm me and guide my step. The best is yet to come. His solution is far greater than our solution. God's miracle that he wants to do in all of our lives, though it may be subtle, though it may be behind the scenes, nonetheless, he's still doing the miracle. Can we just, I want to do something. and I just want to take a moment. Would you just close your eyes right now? Everybody in this place, could you just indulge me and close your eyes? And I want you just to think of right now, what is that thing? What is that obstacle? What is that, that pain? What is that 
hurt? What is that challenge that's in front of you? Right now, right where you're at, I want you to close your eyes, and I want you just to say, Jesus, I need your help. God, answer them. You can open your eyes. First one is we need to look to Jesus for our solutions, for what it is that we're looking for. Second thing is this. Here's my second thought. Not only do we look to Jesus for what the solution is, but the second thought is this. Do what he tells you to do. Do what he tells you. Do what Jesus tells you to do. John chapter 2, verse 5, Jesus' mother says, hey, whatever he tells you to do, servants, do it. And you'll see a miracle take place. Do whatever he asks you to do. James chapter 2 verse 17 says, Faith comes, faith by itself is, is not good enough, but we must engage faith with actions. Faith without works is dead. We must engage them with actions. So when Jesus says, that you're to do something. So, for example, maybe God is telling you to make a phone call. Or maybe God is telling you to write an email. Or maybe God is telling you to write a letter to someone that has offended you. To someone who's wronged you. And this holiday season, you know you're going to see them. You know you're going to cross paths with them. And maybe right now, Jesus may be saying, I want you to make peace. Even though you didn't do anything, I want you to extend forgiveness. Even though you may think they don't deserve it. Because why? We look to Jesus for a solution. When he gives us a solution, maybe it's to write a letter, make a phone call, uh, send an email, go visit them in person. We must follow through in order to see his outcome and what happens. See, because the servants, they were told to do certain things. They were told to get these, uh, these, these big vases and to fill them to overflowing, Jesus told them. And they overflowed them. And Jesus, because of their obedience... That became the miracle that took place. If you want today a miracle in your finances, you want a miracle in your finances, you feel like you're, you're barely able to keep above water, you feel like you're drowning in your finances, you feel like we're making the most money that we've ever made in our life and yet we have nothing to show for it and you're struggling in your finances, you're struggling in what you're doing, here's what I encourage you to do. If you're not doing this, the first thing that Jesus would ever say is he would say, are you tithing? Are you giving 10% back? Are you returning back to me what's already mine? Now some of you say, well, you're just saying it because the church needs your money. Nope could care less about what you give. I don't know who gives what here. But what I will say is this. For my life, whenever I have made the least amount of money, whenever I was unemployed, and whenever I didn't have it, God, through tithing, gave me a peace to know God has my resources, has my money. And then he would say something just totally crazy if you want to get out of debt. He might say something totally off the wall and totally, I mean, in our world today, just can't even believe he would say this. He would say, stop spending money. What? Don't spend money. You know, There's, it's just very simple. And, and so maybe today uh, your marriage is going through a hard time. And what God would say to you is he would say, hey, are you doing devotions with each other? Are you praying with each other? Are you including uh, each other in decisions you're making? Are you going the same direction? Do you have like visions? Maybe today you're here and you know the people you're hanging with are taking you down a bad path. 
Maybe the best choice that God would have you do is say, get rid of the friends who are having you make decisions that are compromising who you are. Maybe your relationship with your kids is absolutely very broken down. And so God would say to you today, here's what I want you to do. I want you to hang with them, spend time with them. But I also want you to pray with them. And I want you to ask them, what is it you need from God? What is it you expect from God? And you start helping them navigate the challenging places of life. A thought I have here is this, because Jesus uh, and the servants obeyed, because Jesus had the servants obeyed, a miracle took place. Sometimes a miracle can't take place until we obey what he tells us to do. Mary, Mary, his mother, she wanted him to do a miracle and turn water into wine. Jesus said, not my time. Mary said, oh no, son, it's your time. And can I just, I want to reveal something to you that's going to come out. And I hope that you hear, I hope I can say it the way that God revealed it to me is this. One of the Ten Commandments is that we obey what? Our mothers and our... Okay, let's say that better. What is one of the Ten Commandments? We obey our... Can I have my teen speak with me? Say it out loud. We obey our what? Mothers and, and fathers. Wow. One of the Ten Commandments are that we obey and we listen to our parents... The reason why Jesus did the miracle and the reason why he was launched in his public ministry is because he obeyed. Even the Son of God obeyed his mother. And because he obeyed, because he said, he, he said, it wasn't my time, but what did he do? He did it anyway because he obeyed. And because he obeyed, that launched him to the new place, that launched him into a place where he then, from that point on, you read the rest of the stories, you read through the rest of the Gospels, Jesus is going from this town and going from that town. He's preaching, he's proclaiming, he's casting out demons, he's seeing blind eyes open, he's seeing miracles take place, people brought back to life. If it were not for Jesus obeying his mother from the very beginning, he would never have launched into to the powerful ministry that God had for him. And some of you today, what is the Father telling you to do? If you obey, the miracle that you've been looking for for so long just might take place. Because obedience, I said this last week, precedes the miraculous. When we obey, then the miracles can open up for us to go and to do what he's called us to do. So where are you being disobedient? That's the question today. Where are you being disobedient? Where are you doing what you want to do versus what God wants you to do? Jesus calls us and he shows us. And that's what I love about Jesus. He just doesn't tell us to obey our mothers and fathers. He showed it. He demonstrated it. He obeyed the mother and he said, I will do because this is the divine law of God. In John chapter 2, verse 11, it says, Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples put their faith in him because of this one miracle that took place. So, wrap it all up. All of us have unmet expectations. All of us have expectations that we're thinking the holiday season. All of us have expectations right now in life that maybe aren't being fulfilled for one reason or other. The, the fact is this, regardless of your expectations. Jesus, if we 
look to him for a solution, and we do what he tells us to do, a miracle can take place as we obey him and walk through what he's given us. Bow your heads with me this morning. Father God, help us today just to know that you're with us even through the unmet expectations. The things that break our hearts, the things that disappoint us, the things that that let us down, God. May you stir us to hear from you. God, there are those in this place today that, God, their expectations have been rocked. Something that they thought was going to happen maybe this holiday season or something that they thought was going to happen this time of year just didn't. But God, you ultimately keep us. and You ultimately hold us. If we hold on our faith to you, we trust you, God. You can do the miraculous. You can turn, God, if you can turn physical into something other than what it is, then you can do a miracle inside of us. You can give us hope even though we're in very hopeless places. You can calm our anger even when we don't understand how angry we really are. God, we can extend forgiveness even beyond the the people who don't deserve our forgiveness. So I pray that, God, you will just speak to our hearts today, that you would encourage us and that, God, we would build our lives upon you. We would build our lives in faith upon you. That we would allow you, Jesus, to do a miracle inside of us. Because without that, God, we have no hope. We have no hope. Jesus, do the miracle as we obey. God, do a miracle inside of us.
guys right there where you're at. If you're here this morning, you need a miracle from God. You need to do something that uh, you've been looking for. And maybe there's a pain or maybe there's a, a hurt that's come your way and something you've just been kind of dealing with and it's been kind of heavy on you and, and you don't really know how he's going to do it. You don't know how he can even heal you. It's just like what this song says, I will put my, I will build my trust in you. I'll put my hope in your love. I will hold on to you because you are everything we need. Fill me now with your heart. Fill me with your presence. If that's you here today, you need a touch from God. Would you just raise your hands all across this place? You just need a touch from God, hands going up all over. Just have them up today. And I just pray for you, Father God, for each hand that is raised, God, a life that's represented. May they look to you, God. May they turn to you for a solution. May you be the one to move upon them, to speak to them, to, to encourage them, to build them up. And then, God, whatever it is you're telling them to do, may they obey you and walk through and do what you've called them to do. Because obedience precedes the miracles that you want to take place. So, God, for each hand that is raised and life that is represented, we pray that, God, you would strengthen, you would encourage, you would let them know that they are not alone. But, God, as they will walk with you and as they obey you, God, fill them with your love. Fill them with your presence, I pray. And let them know. God, just as the miracle took place at that day and at that wedding, God, you'll do a miracle right here, right now. So God, build our lives in you. We trust you. We give them to you right now. Can we sing that one more time? I will build my life. Just lift your hands. Let's sing it one more time. I will build my life upon your Crossview Church in Keokuk, Iowa with Pastor Kevin Hardcastle. We thank you for tuning in and would like to encourage you to worship with us if you're in our area. Our Sunday morning service is at 10 a.m. and we have other activities throughout the week for the entire family. For more information, go to crossviewfellowship.com. Thanks again for listening to a ministry of Crossview Church. Slots asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.